Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Coming off of a scrimmage that was, well, by all indications and all accounts, pretty uneventful. We'll talk about it here on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Before I bring in the rest of the team, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of our presentation this week. Get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts by searching Horns 24-7. Click that follow button to get every episode of The Blitz when it drops Tuesday morning on all your podcast platforms. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review and uh, a little comment down at the bottom would always be it is always appreciated. Uh, the feedback, the support that we get for the show, uh, greatly appreciated. It means the world to us to have that support. Uh, don't forget to get over to Horns 24 7. We've got a uh, couple promotions running right now. If you're not a VIP subscriber, right now is a really good time to subscribe. So get over to the site right now and check that out. And don't forget, you can hear Longhorn Blitz as of right now each and every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock on the Horn, the flagship station for Texas Athletics in the greater Austin area, 1049-1019 AM1260, or you can stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. And with that, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you today, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Can't complain. And the third member of our team, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card, a caring member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, I try not to make eye contact with you during the intro. Yeah, so that's wise. I'm just I'm wise. focused. You guys got to focus. Yeah, there's man. There's a nice window. There's a nice tree out there. Mm-hmm. The rooftops. Yeah, man. In Westlake Hills. I'm looking at that. So yeah, yeah. Looking at the you got to get in the zone. Skyline. Yeah. Just get gotta, in the zone. Can't look at you. I just got to look <laughs> over here. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Texas offense, it was, it was one of those deals that sounded like oh. during the scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah. Probably wanted to avert your eyes. Wasn't that great? <laughs> uh, here's, here's the big concern I always have with these scrimmages. Rod, Matt, whichever one of you wants to pick this up, I'll start with you. So, Sark, what Sark said from what we heard was pretty much the case. Defense won the day. Yeah. Uh, it sounded he did mention this. He said they did move the defensive front a little bit. It did sound like Pete Kwiatkowski and the defensive staff kind of unleashed the hounds on Saturday. A defensive line pretty much won the scrimmage. They were dominant up front, I, and you you know dominance in a scrimmage when 
talking to its multiple reporters on our side of Horns 24-7, talking to multiple sources, and multiple guys on that defensive line get mentioned when they're like, oh, Coburn was making plays. Well, you know, Ojemo made some great plays. Ah, you should have you really seen Ben Davis, man. I thought <laughs> Jacoby Jones had a really good day. So when four, five, six guys get mentioned, you know the defensive line. Did I mention Devondre Sweat? Because I, I was told by somebody else that he had a couple of really nice plays. So I always wonder, Rod, and Matt and I were talking about this earlier. Anytime you hear one side of the ball or one position group dominates another, you wonder, okay, is it that position group is just that good or should we be concerned about the other position group or most likely what usually ends up being the case? It's probably somewhere in the middle, probably a little bit of both. Maybe it's a lot of both. Oh, you think maybe a lot of both. That could be the – right. I mean, the offensive line last year was a liability. Yeah, Herb Hand, from all accounts, was a terrible teacher of fundamentals. We know that from some of the scouting reports on Sam Cosme. And so it could just be Kyle Flood's got his hands full with that offensive line. It also could be that the D-line, especially the interior D-line specifically, I mean, they go seven deep. I mean, it, it, I'm. I mean, I'm not. That's actually not hyperbole. They go. It's seven deep interior D line. You go start naming off names, mm-hmm. and you'll forget guys. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now they're talking about Byron Murphy. It's it's seven deep now. From what I'm looking at, if you start talking about Coburn up there, then you got Ojemo, then you got Tavondre Sweat. You throw it in there, and then we got Alfred Collins. Then we talk about Vernon Broughton. I'm missing Sorry, somebody. Storm Welch, Jacoby mm-hmm. Jones. I don't know. I don't well, know Jones where you put is him. on the edge. Is he on the edge? So he now? didn't even okay. factor into this. Mix. All right. Yeah. See, I so not. Sorry, Gorham Welch, Byron yeah. Murphy. That's seven. You got Myron seven. Myron Warren can give you something. That's eight right there. I mean, that's it's crazy. And I think legitimately, you probably got five guys that could be in starting rotations at most places. So, um, I think it could be that too. I don't know. And 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 we know what was the what was the Achilles heel of the offensive line? Twists, stunts, games Movement. up front. And uh, reportedly, what did Kwiatkowski break out on him? A lot of exotic, elaborate blitz packages, pressure packages, shifts probably a lot front. of shifts moving around, a lot of twists, stunts mm-hmm. up front, and they couldn't handle it. Just saying. Yeah. It'd be a lot of both. So I agree with you. My thing is, I, I, I hate to say it, it might be a lot of both. Really deep D-line um, and a... You know, subpar O line, and because like you'd like to at least see like maybe if you're st- if you have a weak think offensive about the line, game. if you think about the spring game, exactly. And <laughs> you think about previous years when we've talked about these things, it was like, oh well, well I mean, that defense looks really good or that offense looks really good. But then you learn more in the season. He was like, oh well, maybe we didn't pay as much attention to that other side, mm-hmm. and that's where the depth of the offensive line could really be an issue here. Because if you say, who knows, maybe the front line's decent, it's okay. But the second you get below that and you're going up against a deep uh, D line, you're going to get dominated across the board, and that sort of shows you where Texas has been. We've talked about just not having one glaring weakness or one hole that can be constantly being. And if you not only, say, have subpar performance or some players that aren't ready in a certain position or position group and then you add in the fact that you might be making some mental mistakes or schematically having things manipulate you and bringing the twists and stunts or giving you looks you haven't seen you can real quickly see how somebody could dominate the group it's not a stretch to say at all that other than oklahoma that defensive line whenever you're talking about scrimmage situations the defensive line that this texas offensive line sees in practice is the deepest most talented defensive line they're going to see all year other than Oklahoma. 
yeah, you could argue that. And well, interior D line specifically, uh, the edge. We're not sure about the edge. Yet. Right. Let's be honest. Okay. We're not sure about the. Edge. We think we think we might have some talent there with Ben that, Davis. But that's you're not, you're that's the through, but you're not sure. That's where the the how you know you know twelve one half dozen to the other. That, I don't know if I'm applying that analogy correctly, you but that, right. that's the aspect I don't know about Rod. I mm-hmm. don't I don't know. I don't know how good these Texas tackles are, and I don't know how good those edge guys are. Great point. Like the interior stuff, Great point. Mm-hmm. the interior stuff, I'm not that concerned about because I, I know there's proven commodities in that group. I agree. On both sides. Right. And, and the defensive line is going to make the offensive line better. On both there. sides. And I agree. You, and now you've True. got you know a young center in Jake Majors who we – you and I both are big Jake Majors fans. Yeah, right? and he's getting tested every day. Every day, <laughs> he's getting. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't D-line matter if you're put, going against the ones, yeah, the twos, <laughs> the threes. It doesn't matter. Every you're facing day. a quality Good guy quality every reps. day yep. with with Angula and Okafor next to you, mm-hmm. and those guys have Vets. flipped sw- spots on the line. So, I'm not that worried about the interior line. I agree. I'm, with I'm that. not. I, you know, but those tackle positions like Christian Jones. My gosh, man! If if looks just got you drafted in the first round, Christian Jones would be Sometimes a first they, round tackle. They don't get you in the first round. Sometimes they get you drafted. Yeah, <laughs> like Christian Jones around. looks the part. Yeah, moving around, getting off the bus. But there was a lot of times last year where we didn't see it. And how much like he's kind of the poster child of Kyle Flood taking over for Herb Hand. And how mm. much can you improve this group? Like the two guys I really were wondered about are Junior Angulao and Christian Jones. Like, I think Junior Angulao can be an NFL player on the interior. Mm-hmm. But how much of his issue goes back to just he's his technique cleaned up? And how much of Christian Jones, specific, and more so Jones because he was a soccer player coming up. He did get into football late. He's got good feet. And good feet, and the tools are great. Mm-hmm. The tools are everything the raw material want on tackle. Is, yeah. But I wonder, has Kyle Flood started to break down Christian Jones and said, man, you just got re- to rebuild the base. And I don't have that much time. Yeah. Exactly. I got I got to put a product on the field exactly. in like three weeks. I don't have the time right now to put you in there and rebuild everything. You can't create a foundation like by definition. Yeah. A foundation has to be I'm, laid first. Yeah. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this at uh, at my house right now. At the new house I just moved into, where there's two air conditioner units in the house and one that it's got some problems and it's like. My bro- thank God, my brother's an AC guy, so he. Oh, that's clutch to have one of them yeah. in the fam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in came Texas? over and like gave me the gave me the basically the two options. He's like, you can do the fix it now problem. Uh uh-uh. You can do the fix it now solution, but understand that at some point you gotta in within the next yeah. next year year and a half that you unit's gotta be replaced. replaced. So I wonder if that's how Kyle Flood looks at Christian Jones. Like I'm basically gonna do like the fix it now option. Like how can I? Y- yes, I- I'm gonna need to rebuild your. Base fundamentals, but right now because we had only had so much time in the spring, you only had so much time in camp. I'm basically going to try to make you a functional, uh, a functional piece of this offensive line. Yeah, but it, it's going to be a process to. You might get that at a lot of positions. Probably, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. you can get that with the wide receiver group. I can see that happening with the wide receiver group too. I can see that happening with some positions where. You know, right now, because of the immediacy of mm-hmm. the circumstance, we got to get a product out there. Yeah, you need a fix-it-now solution. The fix-it-now solution looks different than what you're going to see 10 games in, which is then they'll have a more thorough evaluation, and, a better, better sample size. That's why I like the upside of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But then again, that goes back to, and, and we know we've we've seen Derek Kerstetter play offensive tackle. And I think at the very least, I don't know where you guys stand, I would at the I would at the very least consider Derek Kerstetter a serviceable offensive tackle. Yeah, I think you're actually I, I trust Kerstetter at the right tackle. Okay. I think you're okay there. I, I mean, coming back from the injury would be your concern whether how quickly he gets back to 
you know, the the athletic capability of that, mm-hmm. you know, that position. But uh, I, I actually got a lot of trust in Curtis. And that's another there. thing to take into consideration, Rod, with the scrimmage. When you've got those edge guys going against those tackles, pretty much from the start of full pads and what that would have been his third practice in full pads, that's Derek Kerstetter's contact since this first contact since the injury. injury. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. And then so, about the trust factor, he talked about that, how timid uh, Troy O'Meary was. Yeah, yeah. And that makes sense, too. Yeah. yeah. As an athlete, so, I can say, yeah, that makes a lot of there's sense. There's all kinds of stuff to consider. So, again, that when we talk about the D-line getting the better of the offensive line, that's almost I don't really mind hearing that the interior offensive line struggled with the interior defensive line because again we know what you, you, we know what that group brings to the table. It's the edge guys that how far be, how how much has Kyle Flood tried to rebuild Christian Jones? How confident is Derek Kerstetter just cutting it loose? And Sark said he's cut it loose. He's been full go, but now this was his real first like live. Let's get after it in full pass game simulation since the injury. Yeah, and then those edge guys. Give them credit. I heard all those Sark mentioned Ovia Gofu. Uh, we had a source uh, tell us that a couple sources tell us that Ben, ben Davis, Davis and Jacoby Jones did really well. I had another yeah. source who was really high on what they saw from Ray Thornton. So all four of those guys getting mentioned, it bodes well. But that is the part of that group, that battle, you know, line, that line of scrimmage battle that if I'm a Texas fan, I pause for a second and really try to dig deeper and say, okay, it's more than just Group A beat Group B. Therefore, Group A is going to be great, and you really need to be concerned about Group B. Yeah, I think you start you, know, you start thinking for thinking about creative solutions, contingency plans. If you're a coach, and I'm sure right now, you know, you got to think about contingency plans everywhere. You're like, all right, I like that as a you know a, a first option, mm-hmm. uh, but let's have a contingency plan in case we're wrong, in case. Uh, these tackles aren't as good as we thought, and I think the contingency plan may be tight end. We've heard Sark say tight end is the second most important position behind quarterback, in his opinion, which is very strange, but that's, that's what he believes, and he's complimented the tight ends too, even coming out of the scrimmage, talked about how they're deep there, and he likes the tight end group. You know, running game is going to be the identity of the offense. Bijan Robinson, more bodies at the point of attack to win the numbers advantage. Hell, Bijan will help you out there. If those those tight ends can actually give you more in the passing game, if they actually can be a receiving threat, I wonder if the tackles are underachieving, if, in case they are, and we know the wide receivers at this point still unproven, right? A lot of uncertainty in a there. scrimmage where you didn't have Joshua Moore and you didn't have Kelvante Dixon. And if that, that, if that injury bug at wide receiver continues to spread, and by the way, it has spread before, all right, mm-hmm. and it kind of affected that whole group, Maybe tight end is but kind of your contingency plan because you know Bijan can can keep you on schedule. Can it keep, at least keep you you know ahead of the chains most of the time? Should be if he can't, then holy hell we're in trouble. But yeah. I think we all agree with that. Like he's gonna be yeah. fine, and the running game is gonna be fine. We're talking about the the passing game for the most part. Even with the go back to your left tackle you know situation there with Christian Jones, the passing game is what I think most of the concern is about on offense right now. And you can just said the name there, but Bijan may be even bigger of a role because what do you do if you can't block up front or if you can't get the ball out to your receivers or your receivers aren't good? A good receiving running back can really bring along a young quarterback and it can also facilitate a bad offense. You've seen many offenses be very successful by just using the aggressive of a defense and getting it 
in the hands of the one guy or even two with a guy like Keelan that is really good out of the backfield catching the ball. So we may even see more volume added onto it, especially early in the season, because if we're talking about the foundational issues with the O-line and with the wide receivers, those are things that, you know, if, as Texas fans, you really don't want to think about it, but your opening games are really big, and this team has mm-hmm. a ton of room for growth. And yeah. by what we're talking about here with those foundational issues, we're almost admitting that this team could be one of the teams that grows the most and improves the most over the season. But you really can't afford to do that in college football, especially when your first two off, you know, non-conference mm-hmm. games are such a big deal yeah. that if you can survive those, you can feel really good because this team should be able to grow being that it's a new coach, the implementation of everything, plus the reteaching of these tools to cross the area, you have time to grow. But if you don't survive those first two games, it's not really going to matter as nearly as much as you'd want it to, and the fans are going to be frustrated. No, you start one and two, then... I mean, yeah, the Big 12 season matters, but Longhorn fans are going to turn against you. Really, oh, yeah, really. real quick. It won't yeah. even matter that by that time, you it's a t- that's literally the Tom Herman blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were all here for that first Maryland game yeah, and the second Maryland game. We've seen it. You've got better opponents in Maryland. Fan base Louisiana's better than Maryland. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and going to Arkansas is going to be so better than Maryland. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Arkansas is a little overhyped. I think we all agree with that. The but the environment, I think, is what exactly. Going a lot of us are saying it's going to be really intimidating. We, it's te- Texas just needs one of those position groups. wide Because res- we know we, we are all confident that running back is going to be a stellar position this year. You've talked about how even Keelan Robinson – hell, Keelan Robinson is probably going to end up being running back number two by end of the season. You've talked about how Alabama yeah. folks are, are already saying, man, he we, we're upset we lost him. Like, that guy is the real deal. Skill-wise, he's light skill years wise, ahead of right? Roshan. Roshan's just your old well, vet. Just, well, a different a, tool. He's a game-breaker. And yes. he has game-breaking ability, and Rojo is not a game-breaker. No. Some guys move the chain, some guys change the game. But you, you uh, other than the running back position, which we know is going to be awesome, you're going to need either tight end or wide receiver, one of those position groups to step up. You just don't know which one it's going to be yet. If the wide receiver position kind of stays, you know, kind of right now as an uncertainty early on in the season – then you're going to have to get more out of your tight ends. One of those position groups got to step up and boost your passing game. Yeah, I, it's oh, it's 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 funny, but it's not. Um, you know, I was thinking about when Joshua Moore has been dealing with the shoulder issue. Mm-hmm. So he's a proven commodity. You can put him on the shelf, and you know you can you know you can pull him, you, yeah. pull him back down whenever he's ready, and he'll be good to go. But I was thinking, man, this is a really good opportunity for Kelvante Dixon to step up and maybe be you know. Let, Fourth, fourth guy in the rotation, mm. and then he gets an ankle injury. Now he's on the shelf. So, and the fact that you know, Marcus Washington really didn't—I didn't hear anything about him in the scrimmage, good or bad. Which to me isn't good. It's not good because yeah. that's a guy that really needed to step up <laughs> and seize that opportunity, especially and, with those extra reps. You know, Troy O'Meary hasn't had a great camp by all indications, but at least mm-hmm. Troy O'Meary, every now and then, you hear about him making a play. So yeah. at least there's. At least there's that, and he's still coming back. I'm still, I, I still, yeah. you know, I'm, I still got faith that he, you'll you'll hear more from him by mid season. So I, I think Rod, the, you know, this doesn't this shouldn't this won't ease your concern. But here's my thing with the wide receiver group and the tight end group. the 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 wide receiver group outside of Joshua Moore and Jordan Whittington, we don't know what their baseline is. We Xavier Woods is a true freshman. We don't know what his baseline is. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Troy O'Meary's baseline is. So that it's just. Matt talked about this a few years ago. Texas fans, when it was rolling under Mac, the unknown was exciting. You got excited about the unknown. Mm-hmm. 
Now this fan base, you almost have a fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know, <laughs> this could be good, this could be bad, yeah, I don't know. you're hope-based, now you're fear-based. That tight end yeah. group, at least with the top two guys, with Brewer and Wiley, at least you know where the baseline is. It It's, for your argument, Rod, which one of those groups steps up, I would ask a Texas fan, how do you, where do you think the ceiling is for Wiley and Brewer? Because we know kind of where the baseline is. And I think, I'm not speaking out of turn here, Jared Wiley's got a much higher ceiling, I think, than Cade Brewer. I yes. think we pretty much know where Cade Brewer's ceiling is. Yeah. So basically, that's, to me, the determining factor in terms of how, as a fan, you should look at this. Mm-hmm. Do you think, how? in other words, where do you think the baseline is going to be for Xavier Worthy, Troy O'Meary, those unproven receivers? And do you think that, that baseline, wherever it ends up being in 2021, does that put you in a better position than wherever Jared Wiley's ceiling might be in terms of which group you it, feel it's, better about? It's interesting because Sark's offense— I know. I'm sorry for my words. No, no, no. no. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. If, if the wide receivers underachieve, that is going to limit Sark's offense tremendously. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Think about what Sark's offense is based on, the RPO, play action— uh, based passing game. It's a deceptive passing game. It's RPOs, play action passing screens. That's essentially 60 plus percent of his passing game. And he's a big game hunter. He doesn't want to have that deceptive passing attack just to try to get these little, you know, small, uh, you know, medial, uh, kind of medium, intermediate yardage plays. He wants to get chunk yardage plays downfield. That's why, as Matt pointed out, there's, there's, there's more weight. Uh, in terms of value with those play-action passes, with his uh, screen game, with his RPO games. that's a, Those are his kind of chunk yardage plays. He knows he's trying to get them there, and that's when the wide receivers come into play. That's why he's obsessed with what? Speed. Talks about mm-hmm. all the time. Speed. That's why he's dropping Kelvante Dixon's name. He wants speed because when he does put into that play-action element or that RPO element, when he puts that into play, he's looking to get Downfield, that's those big rainbow crossers you talk about, or you see those uh, those crossing routes, those he got those pick routes, rub routes, whatever. Double he's looking moves. for those, yeah, he's looking for those wide receivers to separate on the outside. And with tight ends, really hadn't seen that with Sark's offense. It's not really, mm. you know, if he gets a free tight end, I'm sure he can do it, but his t- tight ends aren't going to stretch the field. So it's going to be a different offense, and his offense is based on explosive plays. You go look at you know, yards after the catch. You know, I brought this stat up, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Tom Herman's office actually throws the football down the field 20-plus yards or more down the field more than Sark's offense at Alabama. But the key, Sark's offense was more explosive, but it's about yards after the catch. That was the key to this offense, getting the ball to the wide receivers on the move. Um, you lose that element a little bit when you start, you know, kind of highlighting the, the tight ends in the passing game. Even the game. backs mm-hmm. to an extent. Even the backs to an extent, right? Because because the you know just because because our route tree is set up for those specific positions, so it'll look it'll be so it'll look very different if he wants to go with you know 2004 Texas. Yeah, great running backs. I'm deep at tight end. Now you ain't got a Bo Scaife and a David Thomas. Yeah, you got Jared yeah. Wiley and the Cade Brewer, so it's down a little bit. But I, hell, you can argue maybe your wide receivers might be better than the old four wide receivers yeah. if they end up overachieving. Yeah, so Tony Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, right. So I think it balances out a little bit if your Jordan Whittington steps up for you and Joshua Moore and Troy May and those kind of guys. So I don't know how the offense is going to look, but if he's not, if he doesn't have wide receiver production, yeah. 
it's it's like I said that that's kind of the speed is the jet fuel of the offensive engine uh, the first arc, and he's not gonna have that jet fuel. That's gonna be very different. Yeah, and then Longman out. fans gonna be upset. Gonna be like, where's this explosive <laughs> offense that we saw at Bama? It's like, well, he's working with what he's got, and what he's got is really deep at running back and really deep at tight end and wide receivers who may underachieve. Well, and if you go and cut those plays out, if you don't have chunk plays, what are you gonna get? I mean, Bijan oh, will be your entire offense. Exactly. You, don't, you know, like. It but predictable. It, exactly, and it, it can actually then devalue your most valuable asset in that yep. situation, which is a huge deal. So if you take away – I mean, you need to be able to get those chunk plays off the receivers because as you pointed out, the value in them, say you have you know, your 70, 80 snaps, you probably only get 10 or 15 of them that are going to be the opportunities because of you're trying to you know lay this foundation, these plays to be able to pull off a couple of your best deceptive moves. And if you don't have, say, the quarterback connecting with them or the receivers getting open, take away those chunk yardage plays will really undermine everything else across your entire Agreed. offense. Yep. So let me just play a little devil's advocate here, Ron. And I think what we need to remember is that and a lot of this is going to be and this is where my kind of angst or concern has been with the wide receiver group. Sark wants a really small, at least based on the last two seasons at Alabama. And again, Texas doesn't have four first-round wide receivers on the depth chart. (laughs) But basically, Sark's last two seasons at Alabama tell you he really likes a smaller rotation. This goes back to something Matt mentioned a few weeks ago. Now, Matt, I broke your numbers down a little bit further. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm going with this. Wants a a tighter rotation, and there aren't going to be as many wide receiver targets available if you're not in that top group. Like, Let me give you just a for instance. So, okay, last year with Texas – uh, 13 Longhorns, we've gone over this number, 13 Longhorns had 10 or more targets. Of those 13 players, seven were wide receivers. Brendan Eagles, Jake Smith, Tariq Black, Brendan Schooler, Jordan Whittington, Kai Money, Marcus Washington. So seven receivers at Texas had 10 or more targets last year. Each of the last two seasons at Alabama, so the 19 Alabama offense and the 20 Alabama offense, Sark in each of those years only had four receivers get double-digit targets. But here's the target numbers for the seven Texas wide receivers last year. Or I'm sorry, it was eight Texas wide receivers. I forgot to include Joshua Moore. So it was eight Texas receivers. So so here's your Texas leaders last year in targets. This is all according to Pro Football Focus. Joshua Moore had 56. Brennan Eagles with 48. Jake Smith with 38. Tariq Black with 24. Brennan Schooler with 23. Jordan Whittington with 21, Kai Money with 11, Marcus Washington with 10. Let's go to Alabama in 2019. Your four receivers that had double-digit targets, Jerry Judy, 108, Devontae Smith, 88, Henry Ruggs, 55, Jalen Waddle, 40. <laughs> the volume of your number three okay. receivers, the number one guy at Texas. Alabama in 2020, Devontae Smith, 145, John Mechie, 76, Jalen Waddle, 32, Slade Bolden, 29. Yeah. So basically, rather than spreading the wealth, mm-hmm. all yours in Sark's offense, if you're one of those top four receivers, you're going to gobble up the targets. And even then, there's a really big disparity between the top two guys and three and four. Funneling that usage to your best playmakers. But, yeah, as you would say, Rod, the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B size, but... <laughs> This is a receiver group that's got an injury history, and in some cases a pretty extensive one. And you've already got 
Joshua Moore on the shelf dealing with a shoulder issue in camp. So that, to me, Rod, compounds the issue of it's not a – this has been my, the whole deal I've been saying about wide receiver all offseason. It's not a matter of does Texas have talent at that position. They've got talent. Mm-hmm. We know that. We've seen Joshua Moore and Jordan Whittington make plays in games. How much can you rely on them? How much can Sark rely on them? That's what he's trying to figure out in camp right now. And through the first scrimmage, through the first week and a day of camp, outside of those top two guys, I don't really know how who he can trust right now. Yeah. I mean, um, and been one of those guys that he can trust. Xavier Worthy has been out for a few practices. I think Xavier Worthy is creeping into the discussion of being one of the guys he can trust. And he's a true he's probably already there, at this which point. is also troubling too. I mean, that's not really, you mm-hmm. don't want a freshman in that position. You don't want to have to rely that much on a true freshman. That means you went wrong somewhere with some of the other guys you recruited. Yeah, and you heard so, that about last that, year's freshman Troy O'Meara. Yeah. Exactly, and then what ends up happening? <laughs> so I think just if you're Sark, you have to have. Contingency plans. Like I guess yeah. you got to go. At, you got to make sure you got a plan A, B, and C, depending on the the rate of development of the wide receiver position, and of course the injuries, the state of it in terms of the uh, the physical injuries they're dealing with. If you know, you really have to anticipate. Unfortunately, guys like Jordan Whittington and Troy Mary, guys with an injury history, potentially dealing with. Uh, missing a couple of games or a few games. You almost have to build that into yeah. your thought process in game planning and all that installation, everything, which is why, you know, those running backs are that's important. Why Keelan Robinson is important. You bring out twenty personnel, twenty one personnel, you can put more of a deeper position on the field, more of a talented position on the field at running back. And you can argue to a certain extent with guys like Keelan Robinson, you may have more of a proven commodity, at least Sark knows Keelan Robinson, knows his skill set. That's a guy, he said he wants to come to be a gadget guy. To me, that just means he's a, in a hybrid role. You're looking at positionless football. That's a guy you can line up in the backfield. You can motion him out. He can play the slot for you. So that's a guy that can manufacture depth at wide receiver for you because he can be, you know, that he calls him a gadget guy. But I, I call it more of a, a wing back, a flex role for you. The, the other interesting name on offense, to build on what you just said, Hearing a lot of good things after the scrimmage about Jonathan Brooks. Now, okay. he is a true freshman, but as we know, running back is maybe the one position on the field where if you're going to roll with a true freshman, that's probably the one spot you can do it. Because typically, as as we've seen, Rod, in the time you've been around the program as a player and as a media member and observer, and the time, Matt, we've been following it, running back is usually the one position where if a guy's really good, you usually figure it out pretty early. Yeah. No, that's true. So that. if Jonathan Brooks has something, then now you can have your, one of your contingency plans can be all right. We need to make sure we're getting slot reps for Keelan Robinson. Yeah. Bijan Robinson needs X number of wide receiver reps mm-hmm. per game. Yep. You got to utilize the proven commodities you have. And I think Rod, as we uh, try to start to transition and talking about this defense, and there's really not a whole lot else to add about the defense other than what we've already talked about, but. This drives home something else I've been talking about this offseason. This drives home the point. I, I, I believe Texas will have this. It drives home the need for a diverse run game mm-hmm. where you're going to really need to help out that offensive line yeah. with a, definitely a lot more gap schemes, a lot more pin and pull stuff than they ran last year yeah. to help create angles and leverage and, and maximize maximize that deep, talented backfield you've got. That is your That is your most valuable asset. On offense right now. Well, just because, as you know, as Matt pointed out, you know, you could end up being predictable if too much of the offense is centered around Bijan, and if that ends up being the case. And unfortunately, if the wide receiver position deals with a ton of injuries, tight end position doesn't take the next step. 
You could be looking at just a really B. John-centric offense, at least a maybe running back-centric offense. That's the case. That's why, getting to your point, variety, diversification yeah. in the running game so that you aren't that predictable uh, in terms of they know it's going to go to Bijan. At least they don't know how you're going to get it to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, uh, I think as an offensive coordinator, you're, the way you call a game and the way you build an offense, it should – and I'm out of my depth talking about business stuff, so any – you know, you're in the stock market or whatever. Forgive me for sounding ignorant, but <laughs> I think an offensive coordinator's game plan should be like a stock portfolio. You don't dump all your assets into one area. You diversify that portfolio. Mm-hmm. You got, well, I got some some oil, you know, oil and gas over here, and I got some, you know, whatever over here, just gold and silver over here, whatever. You know, however you diversify a portfolio. I don't know. That's like I said. Out of my depth, way above my head. But yeah. you want that portfolio diversified. You don't want all your money, all your investment going into one thing because what happens if that one thing goes wrong? You're SOL. Exactly. So that's how I think offensive coordinators need to look at it is you've got to diversify your portfolio. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, Sark decides to use Bijan because if it is too Bijan-centric, then you worry about wearing him down. I know he said he'd give him 20, 30 carries a game if he had to, but you really want to make sure that – the, the carries you give them, you're optimizing when you need them the most. Yep. Because you <laughs> know there's a limited amount. Like, it's not, we've even heard him talk about his volume. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. Sox got a lot on his plate with that offense, man. Um, hopefully, the defense can carry the day or at least, you know, carry the offense for a while, p- keep them in games until they can figure out that groove, get their continuity down. We'll get to quarterbacks here in a sec, but thinking about that non conference schedule, like, we know we've talked about, you know, the formidable opponent Louisiana is going to be and just conquering that environment. And They're going to play bump and run on the outside too, just so you know. Uh, run them wide outs. My, uh, my focus, Rod, is really, in terms of developing this roster and getting it ready for Big 12 play, man, that Rice game suddenly in my mind becomes pivotal for building a roster. Mm, and building, need them building depth. Absolutely. You're going to need them. And you're going to need that confidence. That's going to be a game where, that, <laughs> I mean, honestly, because yeah. you're, you're going to need Bijan to get you through the first two games. Yeah. That's a game where, you know, hey, if Jordan Whittington's banged up or Bijan ain't feeling it, maybe they get a DNP coach's decision. Oh, that yeah. Night. That's one of the, I keep him. That's when Jonathan Brooks can shine. Hey, Jay Brooks, mm-hmm. you ready, man? You got your, you that, ready, Mr. Texas football? Numbers. <laughs> you go whip on these aisles real quick. That Rice game. <laughs> no, seriously, that Rice game for a guy like Jonathan Brooks, that could be, I, I, Bill Parcells, he do this all the time with a rookie running back he really liked. He would take like that third preseason game and be like, all right, I'm literally going to run and run you until you puke. I'm going to give you this ball you until ready? you vomit <laughs> exactly. and you physically Confidence can't take building. it anymore. I totally agree. I, I'm with you on that. That's a great point. Don't, so as we think about this non-conference schedule, yeah. don't discount the value. I'm not saying Rice is going to be a tough no. opponent. You should handle Rice. Don't discount the value of that, that game yeah. in building out this roster, getting a lot of positions on offense that either we don't know where the ceiling is or guys that don't have an established baseline, which leads us to quarterback. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many turnovers you want to talk about guys had, Sark mentioned one for Casey Thompson. We've heard from multiple sources that it was multiple turnovers. I know I, I I and you know Sark confirmed one. I heard about one from one specific turnover from uh, one source where apparently he just Casey just forced the ball into coverage mm. and Luke Brockermeyer picked it off. Man, Luke Brockermeyer, that yeah. name coming up. Luke again. Brockermeyer's that name is coming, name up, a coming up a lot, uh, man. But Rod with the quarterbacks. We're still in this. I'm not concerned about it, and maybe I should be, but I'm not concerned about it. Neither one of these guys has separated yet. 
And but again, talking to sources from the scrimmage, there were pass protection issues mm. and there were issues with drops mm. and there were, you know, there were issues with penalties. And man, the more I think about it, coming out of the scrimmage and gathering intel, including what Sark had to say, I'm starting to lean toward maybe Casey Thompson's the better option for this team, at least to start the season. You know, I've always felt – I always said, and the, I've been studying the Bama offense, a ton of it actually, watching way too much Bama 2020, giving me appreciation for Sark. But, man, that, that offense was on schedule so much. Mm-hmm. It just always. It, was, it, it just never was off schedule. It just – everything flowed. I mean, there's a stat from Pro Football Network when they were doing uh, scouting on the quarterbacks coming out. They claimed that Mac Jones only went to his second read hmm. like 10% of the time. It was less. It was like nine point something. He never even really got to the second read. Never even mattered because his first read was always open. Credit to Sark. Great. Credit to the talent, too. That ain't happening here at Texas. No. <laughs> because the offensive line is not going to be that good. The wide receivers aren't that good at either. At least early well, on. Is, no, not as good as Bama. I'm not saying they aren't. Okay, okay. I'm saying they aren't as good as Bama. Right, is what right, I right. Meant. Sorry. Okay. Um, aren't that good. Aren't Bama good. And who is, by the way? Right. Uh, so my point is yeah, you're going to be you're gonna be dealing with a lot of chaos you're going to be dealing with pass protection issues, wide receivers that can't get off bump and run, you know, inconsistency with the new scheme. And think about it, in Stark's offense, there are a lot of moving parts in terms of the pre-snap motion. Um, and I'll, we'll drop, drop some of these stats. I'm still working on a deep dive about all these. This is whole damn thing. It's like basically Alabama 2020. Uh, in terms of the pre-snap motion, the option routes for the wide receivers on the outside, RPO game, play-action pass game, a lot of that is your you know, that's your sleight of hand, manipulation of the mesh point. There's a lot going on in Sark's offense, at least the one at Bama. And if that's the offense here, all it takes is one of those moving parts to be off or not working with total precision yep. and execution, and then boom, done. Play is this, then, that, then that really smooth, nice Bama offense, it looks clunky and odd and unorthodox yeah. and weird, like the spring game sometimes. So my point is, yeah. and, and I know Sark didn't call that game. No, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out. Sark, Sark in the first scrimmage, obviously, the offense was clunky. And, that's, and it looks clunky when, when one of those moving parts isn't functioning at a high level. So I'm just throwing out that Casey Thompson, he's, just, he's, not a, he's not a more athletic quarterback than Hudson Card. And people say that. You just don't know how to choose your words carefully. He is more comfortable in chaos and in a crisis yes. than Hudson Carr. Mm-hmm. And that may just because he, he's got more reps. He's been a in, handful in, of times. Yeah, exactly. Right. If it's Hudson not, Carr it's gets, not many, but it's many. The, the rep advantage that Casey Thompson comes with, he in terms of high leverage reps, Hudson Carr has zero in his career. Exactly. Yeah. So I Casey just think, Thompson at least yeah. has some. Has like yeah. a quarter or two. Exactly. So I just think in that, but I think, you know, right now, if, if Sark's looking at it as, hey, man, we're going to be on schedule. Once they think clicks, it's going to click. Then, you know, we always say if it's a tight competition, go with the younger guy. Because it shouldn't be a tight competition. Yeah. It the, should, the, the older guy should separate a little bit. It and should that, be a little <sighs> separation from the guy that's been on campus that long, been working out with NFL players coast to coast, the guy that asked him for the playbook before anybody else. There should be some separation. I'm a Casey Thompson fan, but Casey. There should be separation. You've been here longer. You get, you know the wide receivers more. And that's you should I'm, have that's more of I'm a conflicted. continuity with the wide receivers. That's where you, I'm conflicted. You, should, you guys should have more command and respect in the locker room. Of course you do. You've been there longer. Mm, I'm just, that's, that's usually what we say. That's usually what we say, Jeff. If it's, if it's that tight. 
Well, then go with the younger guy because that means his his uh, rate of development is starting to surpass the older guy. It's a new system. I get that. But that kind of means they're kind of starting at a more you know accurate place. Think about the quarterback battles that we've seen in our lifetime. Typically, the younger guy tends to win out, even though if you have a situation like Rod, the one you were engulfed in, Sims Applewhite, people forget like going into that 2001 season, Chris Sims won the job, mm-hmm. and the you know it it wasn't until it took you know, the finger injury and that collapse in the Big 12 championship game for Major to get that job back. But Chris Sims was the starter in 2001. The younger guy ended up winning out. The chance chance mocking Vince Young in 2003. Mm-hmm. The younger guy ended up winning out. Uh, even go to the the one difference would be Colt, but then again that just kind of sums up Colt McCoy's career. It's like yeah, yeah. that's the you know it's Colt. Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. that's, that's he wasn't that's the, the heralded outlier. guy. Je- Jevin Sneed was more hype yeah, than Colt. That's, yes, that's, he the, was. that's the outlier. Uh, you know, go to t- the David Ash case McCoy. The younger guy ended up winning. Uh, Tyrone Swoops and Gerard Hurd. Tyrone Swoops started that 2015 season, but the younger guy ended up getting more playing time that year. Shane Bouchelle and Tyrone Swoops, the younger guy ended up winning. Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger, the younger guy ended up winning. So typically, we've seen the younger guy, typically uh, with the exception of Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed, ends up winning the job Yeah, at but, some point. Um, but I wonder if it's, if it's so close in Sark's mind that that he's just basically giving himself an excuse in the season to make the change. And people not to get on him and be like, hey, I told you I was close. And maybe this I told is, you I was really, really close. And I Because in the game, that's the ultimate separator, right? You can get yeah. to the game and go, oh, damn. Who's, who, I made a mistake. This other guy's just better in the game. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that until you get to the actual game. Practices exactly. and scrimmages are different than the actual game. We all know that. And I think Sark, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's doing this uh, you know, consciously, but I think subconsciously, no, I'm maybe giving you. himself basically like, you know what, once I get in the season, and then Kirk Street. Kirkstreet went on B and E and said he wouldn't doubt he's a good friend of Sark said, I wouldn't doubt if they play both quarterbacks in the opener. He said two. I hope not. At the I same time, the, and I, I was like, system. "Whoa, that's crazy." Did he know Sark? Just saying. Here, here's here's kind of where I'm following your line of thinking, Rod. And maybe this is just my Longhorn quarterback PTSD coming through. The reason why my gut goes toward Casey Thompson is I think I don't even want to say from a PR standpoint because that's not there, but I think for the fan base, it's more palatable. If you go with the older guy, and then if you have to make a change to bring the younger guy in, mm. yeah, and like it that. doesn't give the I, illusion I, that no, you're not given I, I don't up know on a don't, guy like Casey. I if, like if that. you give it to Card on the front end, it may give that illusion that you've given. Even if you haven't given up on Casey, it may be Great perceived point. more. Of that. I just go back yeah. to like the no, two, I, like I just that. go back to the 2000 season when speaking of the younger guy winning, Chris Sims wins that job coming out of out of camp, a camp mm-hmm. you were in, Rod. Yeah. And then, you know, the Louis, the Louisiana game doesn't <laughs> doesn't start the way anybody wants it to. He brings in Major and then there's a loss at Stanford and you're kind of really until Major's injury, you're really playing musical chairs with that position the whole year. Yeah. Up until Major gets hurt against Texas Tech and Chris Sims ends up finishing the season. So, that's I don't know. That's just kind of where how I view it. Like it's like I said, maybe it's just PTSD or just having absorbed too much yeah. from quarterback battles around here. But and, and then and that could be not anywhere remotely close to how Sark looks at it. But for me, 
I again, I just think it's more palatable for the fan base if you start Casey Thompson and then if I you agree have to make a change to go to the younger guy. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, and like I said, these are all just kind of theories, mm-hmm. but I think for Sark, who's admitted this is a, as a head coach, this is the toughest quarterback competition that he's had, ever had to evaluate. If it is this tight, it's an, it, it really is, as a guy who's been in that Chris Sims major upright locker room, it is kind of a nightmare for the coach on one end. Yeah, you like the quarterback competition being close and those those guys, you know, in a heated competition. That's great, but now you you could possibly make the wrong call. Mm-hmm. One, you could just pick the wrong guy. You don't want and that as your the first locker decision. Room knows you picked the wrong guy. Half the locker room is split. It's an election now, mm-hmm. and the tight quarterback competition is a straight up election. Half the is like, nah, I'm a Hudson Card guy. Nah, I'm a Casey guy. And, and, and it's not vitri- It's not like Trump-Biden. It's not like vitriolic. Like we don't hate each other. But guys, pick a side. Like, no, mm-hmm. that's my guy. I, I, think he's a, I think he gives us a bad chance to win. Because nobody really knows. Until you get in the game and you go, oh, that guy. With, with, with every, <laughs> that's with, whenever you that's can't when, lie to yourself. Yeah, but then in the game, Mike, you get to that point where, oh, you, it took losing Louisiana to go, okay, yep. he's the guy. Oh, the fans like, well, won't is. give you a pass on in that. The pad, the fans, if your first you decision's a bad one. Especially if you're the quarterback guru. So for Sark, it, it's it's this is he wants separation. He would he's praying for some separation because mm-hmm. not you basically got a split locker room. Like I said, not necessarily split with angst and vitriol, but it's still split. Y'all still ain't on the same page. If you're if for coaches te- included, by the way, too for mm-hmm. Texas <laughs> for Texas fans, the one thing you need to hope for to avoid all the stuff we're talking about. It doesn't matter which one it is. You need to hear that one of these guys just balled out in the scrimmage. That's all you want now. Scrimmage. And now, even if you're a Casey guy or a Hudson guy or a Casey gal or a Hudson gal, doesn't all matter. you care about now is one of these guys needs mm-hmm. to have a hell of a second scrimmage. Yes. That three touchdown performance, no interception. Yes, yes. There we go. That's what we need. You just need one of them to separate because right now, I don't necessarily like it how close it is right now because I thought Casey would have separated by now because of his veteran experience, and, and that hasn't really happened. Well, no. and also when you I'll, I'll give you I'll give you point blank a quote from a source coming out of the scrimmage. Neither did anything to separate them still themselves or distinguish themselves from each other. And Man, good at this point, the last three thing weeks, that you, you want two weeks from install. You, you basically <laughs> game week. Basically, it's all boiling down to the second scrimmage. Because after that second scrimmage, we know there is no third scrimmage because of NCAA camp protocols. That third scrimmage, it's walkthrough dress rehearsal. Basically, it's all boiling down to what happens this coming Saturday. That's basically what this quarterback competition has come down to. Yep. And you just came out of one scrimmage, and you're hearing things about receivers dropping or the offensive line not looking well. Not only does that not give you a good sample on judging who's the best quarterback, those are the things also that you cannot afford to have when you have an average or an aspiring-to-be-good quarterback. You can't have those things because then maybe those are those plays that will drive a coach crazy because he calls everything right, it works, and then the ball's on the ground or something odd happens, and you don't even get the results that should come from the situation that you put those players in. Yeah, you corrupted the uh, the sample, essentially, mm-hmm. with <laughs> with bad O-line play or wide receivers <laughs> they can't catch yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. they can't afford those things either. Oh, man. I'm trying to find just something. Just humor me here real quick, guys. I'm trying to find Jake Locker's numbers and then Keith Price's numbers. Yeah, oh. I mean, this is a deal <laughs> where you look at Sark uh, – 09 and 10, like Jake Locker. He first came in. Jake Locker had 112 carries in 09, 114 carries, official rushing attempts in 2010, and then Keith Price. Yeah, yeah. That's actually well, more than Sark, I did, Sark did more quarterback run game with Back both then. of those guys because they were different type of guys. Yeah. Uh, Keith Price, 
fewer, uh, 69 rushing attempts and 12, and then See, 82 and, and 13. It makes me feel like it was out of necessity well, yeah. with Jake Locker. Uh, yeah. it Locker like was, it was a good more, athlete. He, just need, he needed a, to boost the running game, and the quarterback plus one was the easy one to and do. And then if that's the case, now if you're Sark, now you've got to do you have to evaluate, okay, which one of these guys can I build a run game around? We know they're both athletic, but which one can you maybe, if you have to, can you build a run? Not, not that they're going to go – Tom Herman, and you're yeah, going to turn yeah. Sam Ellinger yeah. into like Bucky Richardson, nothing like that. But oh, you yeah. know, if you need to, again, diversify your portfolio on offense, maybe add a little more quarterback run game than you were planning that's to, which point. one of these guys can do it better? Um, that's a, And both of them are really athletic. That's a great question. I'm not really sure about that. You know, Huston Card played wide receiver, so he's athletic too. Yeah, I don't know. quarterback I don't, running game. I don't then that's a, that's a whole other evaluation. <laughs> which one of these guys is a better runner? And which one is more compatible with Bijan and the offense, too? Because, I mean, that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Rod, I think if there's no separation, I'm like I said, it, it sucks to have that line of thinking, but I just think it's more palatable for this fan base. Again, at the risk of repeating myself, if you go to Casey Thompson and if it doesn't work, okay, let's go to the young guy. If it does, if there's no separation, you must anticipate a quarterback change. I'm talking about if you make, season, if there's yeah. no separation and you just make a decision based on your gut. You must anticipate, all right, what if I'm wrong? What if I just mm-hmm. picked the wrong guy and he goes into the game and has a meltdown? Two picks in the first half. You have to have that prepared. You got, exactly. you got to anticipate for worst-case scenario. You have to which have that is, game plan made. I screwed up. I did, I, 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 my evaluation was if off. That, if that's the case, then you've got to figure out, and, and coaches have to think about this, and I'm not saying either of these guys is a bad teammate or a malcontent or anything like that. As a coach, you've got to figure, okay, which one of these guys can handle being told no. Yeah. Which one of these guys is more, do I think, if you're Sark, which one of these guys does he think is more mentally equipped? I don't know that's not the right phrase, but maybe more mentally equipped to handle being told, hey, you're going to be the backup to start the game. Yeah, no, shut some guys down and don't motivate other guys. Keep well, I mean, we watched OU yeah. do it with Rattler in the middle of the Texas OU exactly. game this year. And again, exactly. I, just Great me, point. I, I think if you're, if you're Casey Thompson and you're told you're the backup, man, you've waited all this time. It's your fourth year in the program, and now you're, you're still – you're still not you still can't break through. Yeah. Where does he go at that point? Whereas I think Hudson Cards more likely think, all right, cool, they're gonna need me at some point. I'm gonna stay ready. I could be completely off on that, but again, just me from the outside looking in, I think that just goes into why I think if it's close, if there's no separation, I think, man, you go to Casey Thompson and start with Casey Thompson and have the contingency plans ready. That's true. It may, because it's so close, it may keep both of the quarterbacks here. They may feel like, oh, that guy ain't going to stay in there. And Casey Thompson He may could, feel like, yeah. oh, and in the end, I'll end up playing because he, you know, he won't he won't be, he won't last the entire season because he won't play at a high level. I could have. It could be opposite. I could be wrong. It yeah, that, but I, 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 I tend to agree with you that Casey probably is going to transfer if he doesn't. Even though it doesn't benefit him to transfer. It right doesn't, now. but I see why. Yeah, I would see why. You're right. He pro- he would benefit more staying here and then transferring after the season. Yeah. Like then you could start with a new program. So let's talk about the defense real quick because we got to wrap this up. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about the defensive front. Luke Brockermeyer's name keeps popping up. Man. Uh, you know, Ryder, the secondary. Brockermeyer. The secondary. Heard Deshaun Jameson's name quite a bit. The secondary should be playing well. I mean, you got two seniors at cornerback. I can well, imagine. Even though Josh Thompson was out. Josh Thompson didn't Oh, was he? Okay, he was out. Was He's it Keaton Crawford? Tight hamstring. Keaton Crawford. Okay. Who apparently made a couple plays and played pretty well. It seems like seems like they found their safety duo, Brendan Schooler and BJ Foster. It seems like that's kind of the number one group they're selling that. on. And Jaron Thompson and Nickel. And Rod, D B High might have two guys in that secondary because Anthony Cook's been getting some run with the ones at that nickel position. Really? So yeah. Interesting. So where's Jaron Thompson? 
he's been last couple practices. My understanding he's been safety with mm-hmm. the twos. Interesting. I think they're just they're just uh, moving. They, they're trying to see what combinations work best with them. I think honestly, what because they've they've moved around a lot of pieces in the Crushed, secondary, mm-hmm. and I like it. I think they may be looking at week to week matchup based defense. It's like, hey, you know what, Jaron Thomas is a better nickel against. Mm-hmm. This team, or gets you know, what I mean, oh no, 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 we're gonna be coverage based. Let's go with Anthony Cook this week. Kind of like we talked about, yeah, like because yeah. because of, of the hybrid spread schemes you're gonna see mm-hmm. week to week. I could, it could and they're so deep at DB, man, they're deep, and they really are deep at DB. And I, I'm not saying that they got first round talent at DB, but you got you have you have veteran guys who have experience. And honestly, I think at, at this point, you probably got six, seven guys you can throw out In a there. variety of between, skill sets. Yeah, between Josh Thompson, Deshaun Jameson, uh, B.J. Foster, now you got Schooler, Jaron Thompson, Anthony Cook, Adam Mora. I mean, you need to keep throwing that. And if you like Keaton Crawford, Keaton Crawford, throw him in there. You do got a lot at DB to work with. Yep. And I, 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 I'm sorry, Matt. but it's all good. Schooler of the secondary guys, and I heard that group collectively had a good scrimmage. I heard Schooler's name a lot from one source who That's said good. who said that guy, as it was put to me, he's like he didn't look like a guy who was playing receiver last year. Like he looks like a guy that is at safety and knows what he's doing and is doing it really well. Naturally, always, always seems to be around the ball. Yeah, it's good. Because at Oregon, I think that's where he's his best position. Yeah, but I think sure. that, that guy goes back to uh, kind of Pete Kwiatkowski and Sark's philosophy on defense. The one thing you'll hear them talk about a lot: the ball, the ball, the ball. They want to force turnovers. And yeah, put that guy that's got, yeah, he was he had four interceptions his first year playing at Oregon. But give me that wide receiver. That guy's been playing wide receiver the last couple of years. Very I need true. a ball hawk back there. I need ball skills. Yeah, I need hands. If you can get another one, I mean, you got Deshaun James as a ball mm-hmm. hawk, and then you can get another one back there. That helps. I know B.J. Foster's got that in him. B.J. Foster gets around the ball. I wouldn't call him <laughs> More a ball hawk. Yeah, he gets around the ball, but, I mean, Deshaun Jameson gets his hands on the football. Mm-hmm. You get another guy like that in your secondary. You just get B.J. to stop. Don't don't launch yourself into guys. Just play the ball. Maybe just <laughs> a little, little mindset change. Yeah, well, he's got he's he's being taught a different tackling technique than the Orlando, then, you know, the Orlando then missile. Actually, then actually literally launching himself. You know, the the Orlando people. missile technique they were teaching for. <laughs> you launch yourself until your shoulder dislodges. B.J. Foster's like, yes, sir. Like, that, that, like, that's that's it. my do. personality. Yeah, it looks good when it all comes together, but when you miss, it looks bad. Looks like y'all don't know what the hell y'all just like. What are they teaching at Texas? <laughs> and we all we all saw the 2019 defense. Oh. There were times where they didn't. Oh, there were like times. Things. Yeah. Uh, you guys want a special teams note before we close yeah, yeah. down? I think some. Cameron Dicker is going to be your place kicker and your punter. Because okay. Ryan, because Ryan Bushevsky has not looked good in camp. Damn. And he must look really bad. I was told Dicker didn't punt in the scrimmage, uh, but I was told when Bushevsky did, Isaac Pearson, the freshman, was better. Bushevsky coming off Bushevsky? the coming off the ACL tear, he's just wow. not okay. Not back yet. Well, if you're a kicker and mm. then you've had to be holed up for six months with an ACL, that's not only are you getting your strength back. I mean, we talked all about Elmiri, but then like if you're actually punting the ball, like that's, that's a whole I, other issue. I would just say that it 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 doesn't worry me a lot. It worries me a little bit because. Man, I, I mean, for a kicker, these guys, they got to get in the zones about pressure. So, I mean, he's a veteran, so maybe it's not a big deal. But, I mean, it's a lot. 
I mean, you got to go out we, there and punt. We saw Justin get... Tucker struggle at times trying to do both. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a lot. That's a lot. And then it wears. There's a there's a thought that it could it wears down your leg and throughout the game in the fourth quarter yeah. that those kickers are a little Good bit more point. tired in terms of long distance kicks to win games stuff like that. So no, no, that makes total sense. I did yeah. hear Bucky uh, Godbolt, who called his games in high school, talk about the ability to punt. So at least maybe it's something that he's more comfortable with doing. It's not something new. By yeah. the way, if you guys are if, if anybody watches this Texas on their Twitter account just posted scrimmage highlights um, if, if you're watching. So there's a couple of key plays to note. Um, there is an interception that. that Luke Brockermeyer catches that was thrown by Casey Thompson. Um, there also is a couple of – I know uh, I heard B. John Robinson got a rushing touchdown called back, and I think that was the one that I just saw. Or one, actually, he just scored twice, so I guess one of those got called back. Sounds um, like B. John. The, uh, there was a touchdown pass thrown. It didn't show the quarterback who threw it. Jordan Whittington caught a touchdown pass. I was told Hudson Card threw that nice. threw that pass to Whittington. And then you'll see uh, Michael Taff from Westlake, part of that really good walk-on crew <laughs> that Texas took in this 2021 cycle, uh, intercepts a pass. I heard he picked off Charles Wright. So Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throwing picks, though. Westlake on Austin High. Westlake <laughs> still getting the best of Austin High. In the <laughs> sorry, sorry, Maroons. Alums out there, uh, but yeah. So we'll see if uh, the reports from scrimmage number two are any better, and if there can be separation of quarterback, and maybe this offense can start to figure. Something, I, something out. tells me that Sark will tell Pete Kwiatkowski less exotic blitzes for the next scrimmage, and the offense will look better. <laughs> just because you don't want your offense going into game week, you need to get your stuff like, in, feeling like crap. No, it's just about confidence. Yeah, it's just about you don't want you don't you know you, you want them to be on like a trajectory going to the first game feeling good. You don't want them feeling like damn man we got whipped by the. Let defense. us run some stuff out so, here. So trust me, they're running like old school cover two a couple of plays. Bit <laughs> 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 of cover two beaters every touchdown. Like what happened? Why are we running this? They're like ah. Trust me, Coach Ward, the guys to get some some of that work in. <laughs> it happens that way. Uh, well, we will uh, we'll keep we'll be keeping track of it at Horns twenty four seven, and we will uh, come back next week on the Blitz and hopefully have a better scrimmage report to talk about. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. B. appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Seamus plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every week down Light the Tower from 10 to noon. Thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button and get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode you've been listening to longhorn blitz with horns 247.com remember for the latest longhorn news 24 7 visit horns 247.com